Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Megan Pitcher. Megan is a licensing associate at Baylor College of Medicine, also known as BCM Ventures. In her role, Megan handles technology evaluation and triage, patent prosecution management, commercialization plan development, negotiation of complex technology licenses, post-deal compliance, and much more. Before BCM, Megan was with the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston. Megan received her BS in genetics from Texas A&M University and her PhD in translational biology and molecular medicine from BCM. In addition, Megan did a postdoctoral fellowship in translational psychiatry at the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston. And with that impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. I'm happy to be here today. Well, it's great to have you. And thanks so much again, Megan, for taking part in the podcast. So, Megan, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Houston and at BCM? Sure, absolutely. Um, So I'm actually originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, Of course, a lot of people stay there, go to LSU, go to Southern University. I wanted to go out and explore the next state over. I went to Texas A&M, studied genetics, got my bachelor's degree in genetics over there. Um, I actually, after finishing my bachelor's degree, I didn't go straight into graduate school. I went and worked at Lexicon Pharmaceuticals, which is a, uh, a, a large pharmaceutical company for a Houston area um, out in the Woodlands, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. I worked there for four years as a research technician, initially um, in the Genome 5000 initiative where we were doing uh, you know, phenotyping of a large number of mouse lines, 5,000 mouse lines. Uh, to find druggable targets and find things to put into Lexicon's drug pathway. Um, I worked in that Genome 5000 program, um, actually in a, we call it the mouse house. You had to shower in, go in there and do mouse phenotyping all day. Did that for a couple of years and then transferred to the ophthalmology group. Um, we were doing more preclinical, you know, focus on a particular disease state. Um, I really liked working with the PhDs in that ophthalmology group. That's kind of where I got the inspiration to return to graduate school and get my PhD, I'm working in uh, biotech pharmaceuticals. There's kind of a glass ceiling if you don't have your PhD. So if you want to advance and have more of an intellectual contribution, you have to go get your PhD. And that's what I did. Um, I went to Baylor College of Medicine, which is in Houston. So local to Lexicon. I, I had in my mind, I was going to go get my PhD and go back to Lexicon and finish doing what I was doing over there. Uh, Baylor College of Medicine has a program or had at the time a program in translational biology and molecular medicine. So the focus of that program is you do your work at the bench. All of that work has a direct application to some clinical indication, and you also do some shadowing or some kind of clinical interfacing. So Baylor College of Medicine in this PhD program, I studied Rett syndrome, 
Uh, so a lot of work, again, with mouse models, uh, doing your wet lab work. But I also, for two years, spent time shadowing in the rec clinic at Texas Children's Hospital. So interfacing with the patients, the families, um, really learning what's important to them and the concerns they have about their children with Rett syndrome, which is, you know, different from what we can easily model in a mouse and sometimes different from our scientific interests. So I, I think the program is really great for grounding what you're doing in the lab for what is relevant for human patients and families. Uh, so finished up my PhD at Baylor College of Medicine in 2015. Um, I did a nine-month postdoc in uh, psychiatry and the University of Texas at Houston. And after that, I did a short project management stint at UT Houston. And from there, I, I came back to Baylor College of Medicine to be in the tech transfer office. I should go back and tell you how I even learned about this career, because as, as I said, my focus was going back into pharmaceutical companies and trying to advance by that pathway. When I was in graduate school, I had no idea about IP, how it's managed. You know, I, I had some idea from working at Lexicon that we come up with these inventions and we own them and we commercialize them, but how does that happen? Um, which is actually kind of relevant because Lexicon is a Baylor company. It came out of Baylor Cosmos and Technology. Um, so during graduate school, my fourth and fifth years, I did an internship at the tech transfer office. Um, so in the internship, I learned about prior art searches, how to do an intellectual property analysis, determine yeah. if something is patentable, if we should patent it, and if we did patent it, what are the commercial opportunities, what types of companies might be interested, um, where should we find a home for those technologies? So um, that's kind of my path to, to tech transfer. After I did that internship with our tech transfer office, um, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. I don't want to go back to the wet lab. And I don't want to go back to industry. I want to I want to stay here and manage IP and make sure these inventions get out to people that need them. Um, this is to me, this is how you get all this innovation out of academia, out to the patient so they can help people. You have to have this step where you actually develop the technology, appropriately transfer it to the right partner so that a good outcome will come out of it. So I have to ask, Megan, did you ever have a thought about um, becoming a patent attorney after all that experience? You know, maybe during my tech transfer internship. Um, but once I was finished with graduate school, I think I was just uh, done with school. <laughs> I kind of I kind of felt like that when I was done with that. When I finished my undergrad, I'm like, I'm done with school. No more for me. I took a four year break came back and got my PhD. And then I was like, well, I'm done now for sure. So Yeah, no, yeah. I, t I totally get it. I just asked that question because sometimes uh, uh, people are like, no way, I don't, I don't want to be a patent attorney. It makes me laugh. So. so Megan, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with your office, can you tell us a little bit about BCM Ventures and how it is structured? Sure. This podcast comes at an interesting time um, because we're actually in the middle of kind of revamping how we do technology commercialization at Baylor. Baylor's had a tech transfer function for a long time. I think um, one of the earlier institutions to form an office, um, we've, we've had different versions of how we organize the team, where the functions are. We've had a version where the company forming aspect is in a different arm of Baylor from the IT management team. And what we're moving towards now is a more cohesive version where all matters IP are managed under one umbrella. So your, your basic patent prosecution, IP analysis, that stuff is all in the same place as your startup company venture side of Baylor. Um, so we have five IP managers. Our roles are to 
do the, the IP analysis, triage, manage patent prosecution, interact with the PIs, interact with the companies, do the negotiations, and uh, manage the post-deal compliance. Uh, we've had a lot of new hires over the past one or two years kind of to integrate this um, this vision of building the Baylor Innovation Ecosystem. Um, we've had um, a hire for a program development and strategic operations. She makes sure that we're responding to all of our inquiries that we get and kind of taking advantage of any opportunities that come our way. Um, we have a marketing communications and education strategy lead. So she's really great at putting together really, really nice looking PowerPoint to kind of I guess formalize, make sure all our PowerPoints look the same and have the, the same messaging and same color scheme. And they look really nice. Um, we have a we have a recent new hire for our finance side, uh, just to make sure that you know our billing associated with licenses look good and you know we're getting we're getting in the revenue that we should be getting. Uh, we have an office manager project coordinator who helps us with scheduling meetings and everything. Uh, we have our compliance manager. She manages our I edit some reporting. Um, she also does some docketing. Uh, we're we're currently hiring for someone to take on that docketing role. Um, so if anyone's looking for a position. Um, also in our office right now, we have all of the MTA function, um, material transfer agreements. We have sponsored research agreements. We have industry collaborations. We manage all of those. We have two personnel that do those types of agreements. And we have our VP, uh, Chief Ventures Officer is Sean Davis, and our Executive Director is Michael Dilling. Um, our IP council is out of house, so um, we um, use external IP council to draft our patents and manage uh, manage that. But we have a really great relationship with our external council that we use. It's really easy to get them on the phone, um, do an emergency filing, get them on a get them on a call with the PI, um, get the correct messaging to our PI so that we're all on the same page about what needs to happen. And we also interface with our Baylor internal general counsel team. They help us with general contract questions. They are such a great resource to have um, because on our, our IP team, we're all PhDs. We don't have any JDs in our team. Um, so it's really great to have easy access to a, a JD to ask questions. So Megan, can you tell us a little bit about how many invention disclosures, patent filings, revenue generating agreements, royalty income, and things like that that your office has had in the last year or several years? Sure. So last year was a weird year, obviously, with the pandemic. Um, we were we were still very productive. Um, we're, we're pretty much at our average, uh, five-year average. Might have been a little bit low. Um, but I, I will tell you, in fiscal year 2020, we had 95 disclosures. We had 54 licenses. We had 39 sponsored research agreements and uh, about 80 new patent applications. Um, so for, for, for a team of five IT managers, to, um, to get through 100 disclosures and get about 60 licenses done. Um, and I should also mention that we, we also do uh, the IP management for Texas Children's Hospital, which is a, a Baylor College Medicine affiliate, affiliate through an agreement we have with them. Um, we also interface with our, our veterans uh, VA hospital, which is in the Texas Medical Center. So um, we, have, we have a high volume of uh, PIs and IP to go through. And we're a very productive team. Yeah, it sounds like you're very, you might be a small office, but you're mighty in terms of all that you get done for sure. Yes. So Megan, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to have the greatest opportunity for success? Sure. Um, there are, it's hard to 
pick one most important thing. So I've kind of organized my thoughts on this, on the places where we interface. So um, Tech Transfer Office interfaces with the PIs, um, the faculty and the companies that we're negotiating with. For these kind of, for these interactions, I think clear and consistent communication are most important. For our PIs, we need them to know what's going on and when and why, so they will work with us and understand what's going on and not do anything to put IP in danger. You know, um, early disclosure of IP, uh, you know, interacting with companies in an inappropriate way. We just want to make sure that we have clear communication from, you know, from the IP office back to the PIs. Um, our office, because we have a small, tight team, we really work on making sure that we have consistent communication, you know, where if, they, if the PI calls up and asks for one of us, they're going to get the same answer that they, they will get from um, my colleague who lives, who, uh, who sits next to me in the next office, you know. Um, they can't come and shop for the answer they want. They're going to get a consistent communication from our office based on our IP policy. Um, for interfacing with, with our company is kind of managing innovations to have success and the licensing, you know, negotiation, licensing field. I think flexibility is really important. Um, so there, there are some things we can't be flexible on, of course. We're, we're an academic institution. A lot of our inventions are federally funded. Um, but as far as the way we structure a license, um, you know, backloading costs or front-loading costs or moving things around based on a solid, viable business plan, I think flexibility in negotiation is really important because it kind of opens up more opportunities for you to come to an agreement that works for both sides. So, Megan, I wanted to ask you a little bit about corporate partners and the role that they've played in tech transfer at BCM Ventures. Can you give us some examples of some relationships with some corporate partners? Sure. So we actually we have a fresh new relationship that the press release came out yesterday. So I feel OK about talking about this one. Um, so Deerfield Management and Baylor College of Medicine have entered into a major research collaboration. Um, Deerfield has pledged um, up to 130 million over the next 10 years uh, to Blue Square Discoveries, and we're gonna. The goal here is to accelerate Baylor's biomedical discoveries and bring therapeutics to market. Um, so, under the agreement, Deerfield provides funding and operational support, and Baylor provides targets. And um, together, there's going to be a committee of scientific leadership from Baylor and Deerfield. Um, they'll pick projects to work on, and then you know we'll use Deerfield's expertise. And Baylor, Deerfield's business acumen and Baylor's clinical expertise to bring these targets um, from discovery research phase to clinical testing. Um, so it's, I think that's a really cool thing. We're we're looking forward to working with Deerfield on this. That's exciting, and it's not too often that I get to uh, say I have breaking news on this podcast. So congratulations. <laughs> that's a, that sounds like a a great uh, relationship that you're entering into, and. That leads me to my next question. Would you say having corporate partners has led to more deals or perhaps differently structured deals? I think it certainly leads to differently structured deals. Um, I guess quantity of deals, not necessarily, but definitely quantity of IP being transferred out of the institution to the patient. So I guess quality of the transfer, um, amount of IP that actually makes it into a product but not necessarily more number of deals, we, you know, not yet. Maybe this, this changes with Deerfield since we have, and this is going to be a long-term collaboration though. So maybe we'll see it happen there. Um, some of our previous ones are kind of like a, a one-off deal. I, ha I have an example of another one. Um, 
So another one I have in mind is a uh, uh, BCM genetics. Um, so Baylor has a long and storied history in genetic clinical testing. Um, they Baylor's been doing genetic testing for 40, 45 years now. Um, 2015, uh, we did a, a joint venture with Morocco Holdings um, to share ownership and governance of the Baylor Clinical Diagnostic Laboratories. Um, so this is this is another example of kind of pairing this clinical expertise with um, an established business team to put something together and make something that works really well. Um, so from there, we've, we've launched more products and we have more stuff that goes out to the patients that's really helpful for um, diagnosing diseases and everything. Um, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of bundled into that one umbrella. That's a really neat collaboration as well. That's That's very exciting too. And the fact that you've been involved in genetic testing for so long is really very impressive. So let me ask you about the role of philanthropic organizations. Do they have much of a role at BCM Ventures? We have a number of relationships with philanthropic organizations. Um, this this is, again, something that's kind of, uh, it's, it's changing in the field. I actually, I, I moderated an autumn uh, session on this in 2020, and I know there's another session on this in autumn 2021. Um, philanthropic organizations are expecting more from tech transfer offices. Um, they're, they're expecting more, I guess, return on investment for their donations on IP in terms of commercialization. Um, so we continue to work with our philanthropic partners and, you know, kind of work with them to make sure that we're all on the same page, um, which generally we are. We're, we're trying to help patients and everything and get things transferred out to them so that they can benefit from uh, donations and the work done at Baylor. So that leads me to ask you, Megan, um, in terms of the ROI that they're looking for, is this actual commercial products? Is it impact on number of patients? Is this patent filings? What what are they looking for? They're looking for a little bit of everything. Um, they Some of them are looking for something good to tell their board. For example, you know, we, we donated this money to Baylor. This was the outcome. Here's a really nice presentation about what came out of it. Some of them are looking for commercialization. They, you know, there's a rare disease. Uh, they want to find an answer. What will you develop with this donation? And how can we encourage Baylor to push it out and make sure that it gets to the market? Um, so I think philanthropic organizations, especially um, small research foundations, family foundations, if they have access to commercialization partners, that can be really helpful because a lot of times with the small rare diseases, it's hard to find a commercialization partner. But these family foundations, I mean, I, I know this working and uh, working on Rhett Syndrome in graduate school, um, you know, they 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 know who's working in the field on drugs that will help make their children better. Um, so they can make those kind of connections. I think that's really important. So as, that's the direction we're moving. I think I, I look forward to having, I guess, more. More assistance from uh, organizations besides just providing donation. Um, we're going to, if there's more emphasis on making sure the IP is developed and making sure it's transferred, it, it will be great to work with them to find those partners and get those technologies into the appropriate places. Well, thank you. That's really interesting. And I guess I'm glad to see that they're maybe taking a more active role with university tech transfer offices, because like you said, I think only more good and more impact can come out of that kind of collaboration. Mm-hmm. So, Megan, can you describe for us some of your office's biggest success stories in terms of successful technologies, startups, things like that? Sure. I, I have a bunch. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so 
So relevant to COVID-19, since, you know, this is still very much affecting lives around the world, um, we have a group that studies uh, tropical medicine, uh, Peter Hotez and uh, uh, Maria Elena Batazzi and their group. Um, they're really active in this field. Um, so relevant to COVID, we have a, a recent uh, license with Biological E-Limited. Um, they in license from Baylor and Antigen uh, to be used in human trials. This could potentially play a huge role on the COVID response in India. Um, I, could, I can send you some links to this, but I mean, it's a podcast, so, you know. <laughs> I also wanted to mention Lexicon Pharmaceuticals, which is the place where I had my first job out of uh, my bachelor's program at Texas A&M. And it's, it's, it's a major pharmaceutical, it's a presence here in Houston. Um, Houston, we have this really great Texas Medical Center, which is a medical city. Um, in my opinion, we have struggled to retain, I guess, a biotech presence the way that a, a Bay Area or a Research Triangle or a Boston area does. Um, Lexicon, Pharma, Lexicon Pharmaceuticals is a company founded in uh Founded actually by BCM Technologies, which um, let me run back and tell you about that. So this is a previous version of how Baylor practiced um, IP transfer. Um, so BCM Technologies doesn't exist before, but it was formed in 1983. It was an independent corporation formed by Baylor College of Medicine to promote commercialization of faculty inventions. So they were the group that did the majority of the startups out of there. And the, the IP, like the licensing managers, were in a, a separate group. Um, so anyway, BCMT um, was, uh, they had Lexicon Pharmaceuticals was the portfolio company of this BCM Technologies. Um, Lexicon was founded in 1995 as a biotech venture, Baylor College of Medicine. Company went public in April 2000, uh, was one of the largest initial public offerings in the biotech industry at $220 million. Um, I wanted to mention Lexicon because they are a company that stayed in this area. Um, they have their offices up in the Woodlands, Texas, which is a, a suburb of Houston. Um, you kind of see their influence in a lot of places um, that are, you know, they're rebuilding accelerators and building incubators. And you kind of see this Lexicon influence because they've been doing it for a long time. Um, so that there, they, so I mentioned before the Genome 5000 program, um, the goal was to identify potential therapeutic targets. Um, Right now, 2021, Lexicon has uh, loaded five compounds and uh, five different therapeutic areas where they're pursuing clinical programs. So I think that's a success story. Um, just kind of, uh, also, this Lexicon had an impact on my career personally because I spent Definitely. four years there, and I think it's great. And you know, it got me, it got me kind of into staying at this interface of, of you know, academia and business and legal. It kind of got me into this field of science instead of being like a hard, you know, I guess a wet lab scientist or trying to do the academic track. So I always like to talk about Lexicon. Don't blame you for that one at all. Uh, the Versagen came out of a microbiome group within Baylor College of Medicine. Um, I think this is a really nice story because, you know, I mentioned Baylor has this long story history in genetics and microbiome, studying the genetics of all these organisms that live in and on your body is kind of the, you know, the next natural step of exploration for that. Um, so Diversogen was founded in 2013 by a Baylor faculty, uh, Dr. Joseph Petrosino. Um, so Diversogen was a BCM portfolio co company. Um, in 2019, they were acquired by Orishore 
uh, incorporated. So that was a that was a big win for us on that. Um, you know, having this program that came out of a lab at Baylor, um, you know, really develop into its own company and offer these services to um, you know establish microbiome protocols uh, within CLIA guidelines. So it's a really big win that we um, had that acquisition for them. So those are I can I can go on probably forever on these. But those <laughs> kind of recent and relevant. Yeah, those ones. those are uh, very impressive examples. And congratulations to you and your team again. Like you said, you're just a team of five people. So those are some really great examples of success stories coming out of your office. So. So Megan, switching gears a little bit, what would you say are two of your office's biggest challenges? Sure. I I would say, as I always say, I would love if we had more IT managers. <laughs> I bet you would. Them. Yeah, I bet you would. I, I hear these stories of people that have been doing tech transfer a long time or they're at a smaller institution where they can walk the halls, walk in and out of labs and figure out what's going on very early stage from the PIs that they manage. Um, I would love for that to be possible for our team, um, but we, we just don't have the bandwidth. If we, need, we need more IT managers to make that possible. Um, I, I managed about 11 departments in Baylor and some of them very large departments and uh, many PIs whose you know, IP I'm responsible for, I don't know those PIs just because there's so much volume and I just don't have the bandwidth. Um, so I, I would love if we had more IP managers so we can kind of, you know, redistribute the load, spend more time building these relationships with PIs. I think that's another really important thing for building this innovation. I mentioned this consistent and clear communication with them, um, but also just building that relationship. There's this kind of intangible, you know, building the trust, building the understanding um, that is not really a transactional thing, but it's more like a soft skill human factor um, to get the PIs to tell you what they're working on. And and from there, that's where you figure out what they might be working on that might be commercially interesting. Um, there's a huge interest in data now from um, from a lot of industry partners. They want to have access to data sets. Well, how do you find out who's working on what data sets? You need to have the bandwidth to go into the labs and figure out what they're working on. You can kind of make some guesses if you know you have a, PI working on diabetes, um, but what data sets do they have? How long have they cultivated the data set? Is it clinical? Is it preclinical? You know, that that kind of information I think is really valuable for um, I guess if you wanna if you wanna frame it as extracting value um, to the institution. But another way to frame it is just getting patients, you know, something that will help them be healthy. Um, so anyway, that's I, I think we need more IT managers, definitely. Um, I think another another need, in my opinion, um, is just some some you know some gap funding or some basic funding to get uh, very early stage technologies over. They call it this chasm or the the valley of death. So, um, what we can produce in academia uh, fairly often is a very early stage thing. A good example is device stuff. We have you know Baylor College of Medicine is a medical college. Um, we have trainees and uh, uh, investigators all the time drawing up a napkin sketch device. Um, and the device could solve a problem. And, you know, we can do an IP search on it. And it looks pretty good. But where do you go from there? Um, I, I, will, I will tell you from experience, a lot of the device companies do, want, do not want to license something that is a napkin sketch stage thing. They want something, you know, a, a mature prototype, maybe some um, like proof of concept work. 
I've had a com- I had a device company tell me they wanted basically something that was ready to put in the package and ship. I don't think we can get there, but um, certainly we could provide some funding, some assistance, some expertise um, to get the napkin sketch to the next stage, an early prototype or a mature prototype. Um, with, at Baylor College of Medicine, we have a bioengineering core. Um, they provide some services as far as, you know, getting prototypes done. Um, but I mean, a, a lot of times it's a bandwidth or a money issue. You know, PIs might have to pay for some of the advanced services. So I would love to be able to help them with that. So Megan, what organizations are you and your colleagues involved in and what value do you think they add? We are very involved in Autumn. We're involved in LES too, a licensing executive society. Um, so Houston is a big oil and gas city. So a lot of the LES folks are oil and gas people. Um, but they, they do have a lot of presentations and uh, 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 happenings that are relevant, just general to anyone managing IP. Um, so we stay on their mailing list and we attend some of their things. But definitely Autumn is our big thing. Um, we like to go to Autumn conferences, we like to do the webinars. Um, our executive director, Michael Dilling, has been an Autumn volunteer for, I think, 20 years. He's on the mentorship committee now. Um, I'm a volunteer for BWP. Um, we, we like to go on Autumn's discussion boards and ask questions and discuss things and, you know, find out, you know, best practices and kind of solve problems that we're having in our office. So we're, we're very pro-Autumn pro office. Yeah, and we're all hoping that uh, Autumn 2022 down in New Orleans is definitely in person. It, it looks like it's going to be good to go, but fingers crossed on that one. Yes, yes. So, Megan, you mentioned uh, about your involvement in Autumn, particularly the Better World Project. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the Better World Project and your role with this committee? Sure. Um, So, Autumn is run by volunteers. Um, So, one of the committees in Autumn is the Better World Project. Um, So, historically, Better World Project would put out a a physical newsletter, um, I think it was quarterly, and they they would write up a really nice set of stories about technology developed in academia and transferred out into the world and developed into products. We're carrying on that mission, but now we do it online. Um, so you can check out our website within Autumn. Um, we have hundreds of stories about technology developed in academia and transferred out um, and developed into products and helping people in the real world. Um, I, I, I was attracted to this committee just because I've always had difficulty explaining to lay people what it is I'm doing in the lab for the first thing, you know, as a PhD, what is Rett syndrome? What are you doing? Why are mice relevant? So, you know, that kind of thing. But doing something like IP uh, tech transfer and academic institution, that's even more kind of esoteric. You have to be able to explain to people what you're doing. I think a clear example of Honeycrisp Apple, for example, Honeycrisp Apple is developed in an institution. Um, Institution thought there might be some commercial value. They licensed it to a company. Company developed this product, and now you get to eat delicious, tasty apples and make wonderful apple pies. Um, you can transfer, you know, just kind of the basic apple pie story to a Google or to MRI machines or to COVID vaccines or N95 masks or any of these technologies. So much stuff that, you know, taxpayers are funding. We're, scientists are doing this research in the labs. And then we're turning that research into something that is beneficial to society, be it on the, you know, the scale of the United States of America or something worldwide. I mean, things that are really life-changing, life-saving technology. Um, so I think, it's, I think 
it's a really powerful message. Um, I, I love to talk about these stories just to kind of explain what we're doing. What is the value of academic research? What's the value of putting all this money into NIH? Um, you'll see, you know, you'll see a lot of times where people are, oh, well, why would we study cancer in a mouse or why would we do this in a, a fly or whatever? Well, down the line, you get this really cool outcome. Like all of, all of this stuff is important. So I think BWP um, plays a great role in that. Um, as far as what we do on the committee, um, we, 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 we try to get tech transfer offices around the world to submit stories to us. Um, we review the stories for certain criteria. Um, the ones that are meeting these criteria, we'll, we'll, um, we'll post them on our website. Um, a lot of times tech transfer offices will have press releases and we can honestly do something directly from that press release and put it into our website. Um, some stories we can help them you know, add, you know, fill in the blanks. Um, we, we especially want to know what the detect transfer office do to make this whatever it is successful. So we like to hear those stories and share them with the world. Well, and this is the first time I get to say spoiler alert for our listeners. Um, we're actually going to be doing a podcast very shortly here, uh, talking in it, in the entire podcast about the Better World Project. So I'm, I'm really excited about that, Megan, and we'll be talking to you and George Chappella again. So, Stay tuned for that. And um, that's going to be a very interesting episode. So switching gears, Megan, I wanted to ask you about your view on credentialing. Do you think it makes a difference? And if so, how? Sure. Um, so I have a CLP credential, the Certified Licensing Professional credential. Um, for this one, I had to have uh, three years experience before I could sit for the exam. Um, I, I took the review course. I took the exam. I passed on my first try. I think my CLP is great. I love it. Um, it's kind of it's kind of great to have access to this this network of people that have uh, the CLP. Just from a very practical sense of taking the review course, um, I I do IT management at a medical college, so I have really strong experience with this kind of bubble of device therapeutic um, research model. Um, on rare occasions, some copyright stuff. Um, but there's this other stuff that we don't really deal with that is great to learn about, you know, just kind of have a holistic view about what tech transfer is about. So, you know, um, the CLP review course, you learn about trademarks, um, which of course, you know, Baylor has its trademarks, but we don't really manage those within our IP office. Um, trade secrets, we're an academic institution, so we don't really keep anything secret. Um, but just to learn the different ways that IP can be embodied, best practices for um, managing them, protecting them, transferring them to other parties so they can be commercialized. And also learning, you know, about the ethics of the profession. Um, I think it's really great to kind of formalize all of these other things that I've just been doing, that I've been working with patents and copyrights and that kind of stuff, um, just kind of learning as I go and learning from the, you know, the seasoned experienced people in my office, um, but to kind of have all these things formalized and, you know, have it in a nice nice neat slide deck and you know um that was really great so i, I really love the review course um the CL, the clp credential itself um it kind of it lets people know that you have this formal experience you know what you're talking about um you know how to negotiate an agreement um so i i think it i think it really is a value add so i i think it's great well, Megan, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests, if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? Sure. So 
the two, the two things I mentioned earlier, I would love, we need more people. I would love more people in our office, more IT managers. And of course, if you have more IT managers, you need more administrative assistance. Um, so, you know, that's one of my wishes. Um, the other wish is kind of more resources or money or expertise or whatever it is, something to help get these very early stage technologies across the finish line so they can be commercialized. Um, my third wish is more generally for the Houston area. I mentioned that, um, you know, I've been in Houston in biotech adjacent or biotech businesses for what, since 2006? So, um, you know, a long time. Um, I would I would like Houston to really become this biotech hub. I want people to think about Houston the same way they think about the Bay Area, Research Triangle, Boston, those places. Um, so just kind of retention of VC dollars, entrepreneurial talent. Um, I want these companies that spin out of our institutions in the TMC, I'd love to see them stay in Houston and kind of contribute to this ecosystem that we're building here. Um, we, you know, Texas Medical Center, as I said, is a, a medical city. We have Baylor College of Medicine, Rice University, University of Texas, Houston, MD Anderson Cancer Center, Methodist Research Institute. Um, I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting that I hope they don't get mad at me. But we have all these great organizations all working together and collaborating. Just awesome access to patients, to data, to new IT. I would love for that stuff to get developed in Houston and stay in Houston. But that's kind of, you know, it's a, that's a big wish. Well, I think those are three great wishes. And between you and your four other colleagues, I think if there's a group that's able to do it, it's definitely you guys. So good luck in getting those wishes granted. Thank you. Well, Megan, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Sure. So my email at Baylor is megan.pitcher at bcm.edu. And my, there are a lot of Megan, so let me spell that for you. M-E-A-G-A-N dot P-I-T-C-H-E-R at bcm.edu. Great. Thanks so much again, Megan. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.